male fertility is more linear and certainly less finite than women's in terms of the fact that, you know, you still produce sperm, but whether those sperm are able to affect the pregnancy as men age, there is much research now showing that, you know, that's not necessarily the case. So, you know, it's something that people, couples in general need to be aware about because it's not a one-sided issue. It's definitely not a woman's problem. And as much as it has been taboo for so many years, when couples come together and work well together as a team, it's incredible the change that can actually happen. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Earlier last week on episode 82, I shared what is actually going on during perimenopause and the many factors that are impacting our bodies and our hormones during this fairly long transition in our lives as women. It was an important episode for me to write because many of us are in perimenopause as well as the peak of our careers along with raising families and handling so much more. Let's be honest, we are changing the world with our actions. And maybe even some of us that are 35 and older haven't begun to start a family yet and deserve to know what is going on with our bodies so that we can make the best decision for our health and our life in the process. Did you know that our fertility is one of the many gauges in our overall health, even into our 30s and 40s? I recently interviewed Lisa Hendrickson, the author of The Fifth Vital Sign, and we connected about the role of our menstrual cycle and how it plays as a fifth vital sign and key indicator for the overall health of our bodies. Now, I cannot wait to release this interview with Lisa next month. The health of our hormones are a clear indicator of our cellular health. And that's what we're going to dive into is all the research that can back that up. Now, this all ties into today's episode with fertility expert Gabriella Rosa. Now, Gabriella and I are talking about fertility over 40 and how to optimize your chances of taking home a healthy baby. Now, I'm excited for this interview because even within my friend group, most of my closest friends and colleagues have decided to wait to start a family until after 35 or even 38 years old. And I have a lot of listeners who want to know how to ensure that they are healthy and fertile in case they decide to start a family as well. Now, before I invite Dr. Gabriella Rosa on, I do have a special little surprise for you today. As a way to set you up for success during and after this interview, I have the perfect cheat sheet that is going to feature my top five favorite essential oil hormone blends. And these blends focus on brain fog, night sweats, PMS, fatigue, mood swings, calming that mental chatter before going to bed, and even anxiety. So if you are ready to get started with oils and curate those perfect blends to address some of those everyday hormone concerns, this is where you're going to want to get started. You're just going to head on to the show notes and grab it or go to drmarisa.com slash episode 84. Now, before we jump into this interview, I want to quickly take a moment, as I always do, and just celebrate your wins. Now, one particular healing rock star is Sandra Lavelle, and I'm excited to shout her out because she had this wonderful win on Instagram just a couple days ago. So here is what she wrote. Dr. Marisa, my liver thanks you so much for your liver episode last year. 
I have listened to that episode on repeat a half a dozen times and I've told my entire family. You know, I started having elevated liver enzymes and I didn't know exactly what to do. I knew that I did not want to take any medications and my doctor said that I could reverse it with lifestyle changes. Luckily, I heard your summit and found out about your podcast. Your liver blend and recommendations lowered my enzymes and my liver is functioning better. Thank you so much. Now to focus on my hormones and acne. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for sharing your powerful story and congratulations on that next step in your beautiful healing journey, especially with your liver. I love that you are loving your liver. Now, if you guys are wondering what episode that is, that was episode number 50 on the Essentially You podcast. I think it's one of the top three episodes I have on the podcast to date. It's definitely one of my favorites as well. Now, Sandra, if you're listening, I would love to gift you my Superwoman blend now that I know you've got the Liver Love blend. So you can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram. And Instagram, it's at D-R-M-A-R-I-Z-A. Well, fellow listeners, today, I would love to shout you out. You can reach out via Facebook, Instagram, or simply review this podcast on iTunes or wherever you love to listen to podcasts. That way, not only can I continue to support you and what you're looking for, but also support more and more women who are really ready to step into their power and become the CEO of their own health. All right, let's dive into this episode today with this incredible conversation with Dr. Gabriella Rosa. But before we get started, I want to quickly sing her praises. Gabriella Rosa is a renowned fertility specialist, founder and the director of the Rosa Institute. Since 2001, through her clinic and the free and online fertility challenge event, Gabriella and her team have empowered over 80,000 couples in more than 100 countries worldwide towards overcoming infertility and miscarriage to create their, the dream of parenthood. Gabrielle holds a master's in reproductive medicine and human genetics from the University of Sydney, most recently a recipient of the Scholar Award when she graduated from Harvard University's clinical research program. Gabrielle's fourth book, The Fertile Method, is due out this, well, last month it came out. So The Fertile Method, worth checking it out. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Dr. Gabriella Rosa. How are you doing today? I am so well. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful. It's so great to have you as well. I know we have been planning this conversation for quite some time. I'm so happy that we are doing it today. I know that it's pretty early your time. Yeah, no, but it's wonderful to be here. I'm a morning person, thankfully. Oh my goodness. Working well. <laughs> you know, I am not a morning person. I am we are we are night owls in this house. And um, I have an interview pretty soon, I think later on this week or early next week at 6 a.m. And I am I am not looking forward to it. So I, when you said 6.30, I was like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. I can get up and I can fire on all cylinders. Okay, well, so what we're talking about today, and we're gonna, I'm gonna get a, a chance to really ask you some in-depth questions here, is fertility over 40. So how to optimize our chances for really taking home that healthy baby that a lot of us are still trying to do. I know the landscape for women has changed so much. You know, we have careers and we we stand on the shoulders of our of our moms and our grandmothers and things have changed. You know, I myself as an example, I'm just going to put it out there. If people didn't know how old I was, I'm 
39. And we are, once we get this book out or the book is out now, we're going to start trying as well. So I'm, I'm kind of in that place. So I'm really excited about what I'm going to learn today. Cause girl, I'm, I'm like your ideal patient right now. Excellent. <laughs> we'll definitely cover lots of things that will be useful for you and for, you know, everyone listening in. Cause one of the things that's really interesting in terms of fertility is that we are, and we often underestimate this is the fact that, you know, a healthy body is a fertile body. So it all starts there. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in a whole lot more detail. Absolutely. We will. So tell me a little bit about what was the impetus or what was the passion that led you into this particular focus? Why did you want to make sure that you supported women on their fertility journey? It's a great question. Uh, very early on, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, except that the way that I was told about this was, you know, a doctor on the other side of the telephone line going, you have polycystic ovarian disease. And I'm thinking, all of a sudden, oh my God, I'm going to die. You know, <laughs> like, what is this disease? And then the next thing that comes out of his mouth is... I was going to something- say, was this a man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the next thing that comes out of his mouth is, well, you know, you're probably just never going to have children of your own and I'm like oh okay and I was 18 at the time so you can imagine that it was kind of like oh hang on a second what is this I mean at the That's time devastating to be told something like that in that way I mean you can be told anything right but it's just the how you're told right it's the how you're told I just feel I have a lot of opinions around that just there's just so much wrong there so much wrong so much in a lot of ways, very negligent to be 18 years old. You're like, I'm just getting out of, out of I'm just about to go to college, <laughs> let alone thinking about f- fertility or babies or any of it. My goodness. Okay, continue on. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, look, at the end of the day, for me at the time, because I was 18, it was almost like, you know, okay, that's something that I'll shelve for now and, and put it aside and, and see how that information you know impacts me in the long term but in the short term I started the reason that I went to see him to begin with is that I had no periods and you know I had basically had no periods for about six months and I thought well that's a bit strange you know like what's actually prompting this and what's causing this to be the case so I decided that I wanted to find some answers and at the time very little was known about polycystic ovarian syndrome and even, you know, really what to do about it. Just sure, it was a it was an androgen excess condition and pretty much there was some inkling about it being related to blood sugar levels and so on. Now we know that, you know, there's five different types of PCOS and, you know, all of those things basically not every person who has PCOS has blood sugar regulation issues. And, you know, so there's a whole lot of uh, certainly a whole lot more information these days and the way in which to address the condition is also very different. But the, fu- the fundamentals and the foundation of it is very much the same. So I never really kind of planned specifically to go into fertility. It almost it was, it was a situation where I thought, you know, I knew that I wanted to be really good at something and I knew that, you know, I wanted to focus my life on one particular area. I wasn't exactly sure what. And at the time, I used to work for an obstetrician gynecologist and he was a wonderful mentor. I spoke to him when I was kind of thinking what I was going to do. And, and I said to him, you know, Jim, I'm thinking that I might work and focus on pediatrics. And he goes, oh, that's the te- most terrible idea you've ever had. <laughs> you know, like it was, oh, okay, thanks for your vote of confidence. And he goes, well, actually, you know, your patient's not your patient. Your patient is your parent's patient. Your patient can't talk. You know, so all of these things that he put to me, I was like, 
oh, actually, you have a really great point. So I scrapped that idea and decided to start thinking again about what to do. And one day as I was finishing my degree, I'm walking up these set of stairs to this tiny little pamphlet about, you know, a natural fertility clinic. And I'm thought, I thought, yeah, fertility, that's it. So literally from day one, I, I had already decided that that's what I was going to specialise in. And, and the passion that I have now for treating these patients you know we treat patients who have been infertile or or trying to conceive and take home a healthy baby for over two years and you know sometimes it's such a a hard and long road for them but the passion that I have today really has grown out of the love that I have for my my patients and the, the the gratitude you know that I have of being able to have effective strategies to share with them so that's how we're now here having run we we run an online free event called the fertility challenge and we've last January, we ran, and this is January 2019, our 17th challenge and have now reached over 95,000 people. So it's a wonderful, wonderful community and a wonderful place to be, you know, in supporting these patients. So that's, that's where my passion has come from. Well, I, I just want to take a moment and just coming from a place where getting that level of news and turning that into something just productive and beautiful and profound, you know, so often our own health journey leads us to this beautiful passion. And I'm so grateful. Can I quickly ask you a question? Because I, as a women's hormone practitioner, it's the reason why I got into hormones was because I had, you know, a crippling hormone issues in my late 20s, early 30s. And that really inspired me in this work. But in that time, about 10 years ago, I really found that there wasn't a lot of information out there. When was it that I would say that even understanding, you know, polycystic ovarian syndrome, even in the last, you know, the last decade, so much has changed in our understanding for you. Was that about 15 plus years ago or so? Did you find that you there so much had changed since then? Well, you know, I started practicing in 2001. Well, actually, I started practicing before then, but I actually graduated and practiced because you have to do, you know, 1,500 million clinic hours and you've got to do all of those things about two years before you actually graduate. So I started practicing, you know, before that, but 2001 was when I graduated and actually started opening my practice. And before that, you know, as, as I was studying, I had a wonderful mentor who had already been practicing for 30 years, you know, and the information that she shared, even as I met her, was information that made sense, you know, it made complete and utter total sense, but the research hadn't caught up, right? you know. Mm-hmm scientific research really hadn't caught up with all of that and and there wasn't a lot of information out there it was starting to kind of bud you know in different places and a little bit but really to be very incredibly honest it hasn't been since the last 5 years that you actually go onto pubmed.com and you can see the bulk of the research done in you know the the kind of more natural approaches to optimizing fertility has actually started to come to the fore so still we are very much in its infancy you know in terms of the validated scientific research but you see the reality of it is that Things that I've been talking about for the last 20 years, like, for example, you know, removing chemicals out of your personal environment because they're all endocrine disruptors. They cause major issues in terms of hormonal balance. And, of course, you know, those things will not only impact fertility but it will impact health and everything that you talk about. So couples who have access to our education, they 
start to be told these things and now we have that scientific evidence to validate it. But the reality of it is this, if you can't eat something, why would you put it on your skin? If you can't eat something, why would you actually be handling it and breathing in those fumes in your day-to-day anyway? And so those are the types of, of kind of things that are obvious and certainly our brains can comprehend. But then there is that question, well, Clearly, if it wasn't so, if it was so bad for you, it wouldn't be on sale in the supermarket or on the supermarket shelf. And we all know that just because something is selling, i.e., cigarettes, i.e., right, all kinds or, of stuff, or, exactly, <laughs> or right, poison, poison, alcohol, alcohol. <laughs> it doesn't actually mean that it's good for you or it's healthy or that it supports your endocrine function and just the way in which your body operates. So, you know, it, one thing doesn't correlate with the other. Just because it's on sale on the supermarket shelf does not mean that it's actually good for you or that particularly if you've been struggling to conceive and have a healthy baby, that it's going to be in your best interest to utilise. So those are some of the areas that, you know, now are starting to, you know, plastics. Plastics is a wonderful example of this. You know, like we have plastic everything everywhere. We're touching it in cashier receipts that we, you know, full of BPA and all sorts of things. And we, we hardly consider that those, you know, things that are in our immediate environment are endocrine disruptors and they are definitely having a negative impact when it comes to fertility. Now, I'm not talking about living in a bubble, right, but certainly there are things that we can do in our day-to-day and obviously, you know, everything that we talk about is is linked and and kind of focused on that but you know there are things that people can do like for example you know wash your hands before you eat so that you wash off all of those chemicals ideally avoid picking up receipts if you can you know choose more natural products essential oils are a great thing for cleaning and disinfecting and you know beyond the other benefits that it has so it's really about looking at all of those different aspects and and restructuring life slightly towards the things that are going to be life-giving as opposed to life-taking. And that makes a huge difference when it comes to fertility. But as you also would know, you know, these things are becoming more prominent now in the last five years. It's, you know, it's sure they've always been around, but I think that in a certain way, due to research and a combination of various factors, they're being reinvented. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And what I want the listener to know too, is even though if there's a lot of a big body of research, we also know that it still takes about 10 years for that research to actually change the way that conventional medicine works. And so the conversations that we're having today is still not only in its infancy, but you're, it's going to be, unfortunately, you're going to be hard pressed in conventional medicine to see some of these things coming to work because, you know, it does take us a minute to translate research into actual practice. So I'm so grateful that you are out there doing the work. I know that my audience was, this is why they show up. This is why they come to this podcast. They're like, I'm ready to take ownership. I want to know what I can control. And that's why we're having this conversation. So I want to dive into, we know, you know, I know that the age group that we're going to be focusing on, we've got women more and more these days who are waiting until their thirties and forties to conceive. And as we know, our bodies, there's a lot of modern world, you know, environmental threats that we were just talking about plastics and and toxicity and, and things that we're exposed to that over time can really add up. And so I know we're going to dive into that. 
Now, I know that there's a lot of focus on women's age. You know, women are just, I feel like we're shamed for everything. We're we're shamed for being too young. We're shamed for being too old. We're shamed for being too thin. We're shamed for being too big. So I know so much around our age is just this thing. Can we talk a little bit about does aging also impact male fertility? What's going on with the guys? Is it all on us, Gabriella? It's a great, great question. You know, I I will answer that question because there is a very, very good answer. And what I would like to do is actually take it from a different context, if you don't mind, which is that when it comes to fertility, you know, so many people think that, and because it's still very much the case where, you know, it's a woman's issue, right? There is nothing wronger (laughs) (laughs) than it just being a woman's (laughs) issue. You know, fertility is a team sport, as I always talk about, you know, when it comes to fertility, you know, it is ultimately the egg's responsibility and its sole focus when it comes to fertilization and, you know, implantation for things to work out in terms of fertility. It's the egg's responsibility to improve the imperfections on the sperm, so to speak, right? And so if the sperm is fragmented, you know, if its DNA is too highly fragmented, what's going to happen is that the egg has to utilize its own energy, its own mitochondrial health in order to be able to actually make that sperm be okay for a healthy baby to be brought forth. So when a woman is told, oh, look, you know, your eggs are bad or you're too old, your eggs are no good and, you know, you probably need to get donor egg, what that typically means is that, well, actually, if your husband's sperm was absolutely optimal, what would happen is that your chances of conceiving and taking a healthy pregnancy to term would be dramatically improved. So if guys showed up and met their end of the deal, we wouldn't have to work so hard on our side. I would say that, you know, we would have to work just as hard, but (laughs) we would have a much better chance. Oh, got it. Okay. I understand. You know, I've had one of my beautiful patients She's currently pregnant. She's about 36 weeks pregnant. She came to me first, quite distraught. You know, she had been told by three different doctors, three different clinics that she would never have her own child, that, you know, even donor egg was unlikely to work in her case and that she should really look into adoption, right? And she was 35 at the time. So she was pretty distressed, you know, with that prognosis or or sentence, if you like, you know, that that was going to be her fate. And I said to her, what I said to all of my patients, look, let's do the work. Let's remove the obstacles to optimum health, right, first, and of course, optimum fertility. And then from there, we can start to see what is it that we need to focus on? How do we need to improve and optimize the situation? As I dig into her case, we have severe male fertility issues in terms of sperm abnormalities in all of the parameters. So his sperm was hardly, you know, ideal. And here along the entire time, nobody pointed that out or said to her, look, you know, he really needs to improve his sperm because when you go to have IVF, they literally just go, ah, you know, your sperm is not great, but we can just do ICSI. The reality is that that doesn't quite work out because the sperm looks morphologically normal under the microscope to the human eye. It doesn't mean that 
inside of it, the DNA is as healthy as it needs to be and in the way that it needs to be. So what ended up happening for her, long story short, is that despite that prognosis, she conceived naturally with her own eggs, right? We dramatically improved his sperm. He really was a great sport and did all the things that we asked him to do. And, you know, they, they had their first child. Then she came back to revisit the program and I was thinking, whoa, are we going to be, you know, uh, just as successful the second time around? But she kept up with all the things that she had learned and she was doing all the things that she needed to do. He was committed. So we just went to work again and, you know, and mind you, her ovarian reserve was diminished. She had lower AMH for her age than was ideal. But, you know, when, with the combination of improving sperm, it made all of the difference. They, she literally conceived first try after years of infertility and having done so many failed IVF cycles with her second child. So she's about 36 weeks pregnant now. There's a beautiful photo on our our baby gallery on Instagram. And it's just one of those beautiful moments, you know, that when you put together all of the different aspects that make a difference to a couple's situation, a couple's fertility situation, it is incredible what can happen. And, you know, male fertility, to answer your question, declines with age just as much as the woman's fertility does. Just because the media propagates this whole idea that, you know, a man can have a baby at 90, it doesn't mean that that's actually the case, you know. Whilst meanwhile, women are being told that, you know, they can't have a baby past 40 because they're too old. Again, not necessarily the case at all. So it's about bringing back the reality and adjusting almost the expectations of couples when it comes to conception. Yes, male fertility is more linear and certainly less finite than women's in terms of the fact that, you know, you still produce sperm, but whether those sperm are able to affect the pregnancy as men age, there is much research now showing that, you know, that's not necessarily the case. So, you know, it's something that people, couples in general need to be aware about because it's not a one-sided issue. It's definitely not a woman's problem. And as much as it has been taboo for so many years, when couples come together and work well together as a team, it's incredible the change that can actually happen as a result. Thank you so much for sharing that story and really giving us a little bit of clarity of what it just looks like to be in that journey as a couple. Do you find, you know, that when women and or the couples come to you that both are very much in it to win it? Look, by the time they come to me, they've tried typically everything. Or at least that's what I hear. You know, they tell me I've tried everything, nothing has worked. And the reality is they haven't tried everything because they haven't tried our program. And the reason that I mention that is because it is a different approach. It's a complete paradigm shift, right? So when people come at it from a completely different perspective, you know, you get a different result. But I often hear people tell me, you know, this is our last resort. You know, I've tried everything. And, you know, again, when we work and understand a couple situation from a, a very systematic and methodical way. It's amazing what can be picked up because most couples, they will go, they're, they're having troubles conceiving, they'll go to a GP, they'll get there, literally they won't be asked a single question about what they're doing in terms of their lifestyle, their health or anything else and they're literally just given a referral to IVF, you know, and they get to the IVF office and here, take this referral, go and have these kind of preliminary tests so that we can find out if you have some kind of, you know, STI, sexually transmitted infection or anything that would negatively impact pregnancy and you can start your injections on this day. So it's a kind of almost lopsided conversation that doesn't take the whole human into consideration. You know, it takes parts of a person 
into the equation. And that is not ideal when we're talking about optimal health, optimal fertility, and most importantly, the optimum health of future generations as well, right? Because what we know is that if a couple has a male fertility problem, for example, if let's say, you know, in a particular case, there's a Y chromosome deletion or something that's not quite right in terms of the sperm, and they go ahead and they do ICSI, for example, and conceive, and they end up with a male child who is born from that process, well, that child is also going to be infertile. So we're also breeding children who ultimately aren't going to be able to reproduce without the assistance of fertility treatment in the future. So, you know, there's a whole lot of questions that I think are important to ask and important to get to the bottom of before making a choice as to what it is that you're going to do, dependent, of course, on the type of fertility problem that you have. Look, I think IVF is one of those wonderful miracles of science, right? And I know that typically miracles and science don't go together, (laughs) but uh, those words typically aren't seen together. But it's true, you know, I mean, IVF is decidedly one of the best things that has happened for infertile couples across the ages. But the issue that is now that we have is that it's being highly overused, you know, without taking into consideration the aspects or the factors that are keeping people infertile that often can be changed and improved and removed from a couple situation by, you know, some minimal effort. Hmm. There is a lot to unpack there in particular, like the different, I mean, the different options and the different choices that are out there for, for people to conceive. And I'm sure that those are conversations that come up a lot. There's a lot of philosophies and, you know, a lot of schools of thoughts or beliefs around that, those topics that I know we probably won't get to have a lot of time to connect with in terms of what your, maybe your philosophy is. I know that these things probably come up more for people who are, you know, over 35. Is there a particular time in our life as women that we should just be mindful of? You know, when should we really begin to start to do the good work to ensure that we're keeping up our fertility? I always think about fertility as kind of a gauge for how healthy we are in general. Would you say that to be true? You know, it's a great thing. Now, the the best time to start optimizing your fertility is in your mother's womb, Hmm. right? (laughs) best time (laughs) is actually now because you see fertility is something that yes there's a huge correlation with health that's for sure but also there are aspects of things that happen in utero as well as beyond you know like we now know that women who smoke are more likely to have men who are infertile or women who have you know more more problems in terms of hormones and and so on and so forth obviously alcohol is a similar thing so there's lots of different things across one's life that will make a huge difference in terms of how fertile we are in the long term however the body is this incredible truly miraculous piece of equipment, you know, so to speak. And what it can do is quite incredible. And given the resources and given the removal of obstacles from the equation, it's amazing what it can still do. You know, it takes about a minimum of eight months for an egg to mature. Women, let's, for the sake of this conversation, let's just say that we're going to go with the fact that women are born with all the eggs that they've ever had or that they will ever have, right? And this is probably going to change in the next five to 10 years because of stem cell research and, you know, all of those kinds of things. But right now, that's kind of how things are, right? We're born with the eggs that we'll ever have. However, 
what happens is that in order for that egg to go from primordial follicle to primary follicle and then from primary follicle to ovulatory follicle, it takes eight months, two, two kind of sessions, so to speak, of four months, okay? So the health of a woman's sperm today is what she did literally eight months ago. Okay. Men's sperm takes about four months to mature and develop. However, sometimes it can take up to three sperm cycles for it to actually get to its best quality. So what happens is that, you know, when you're planning to have a child, you ideally want to be living in a certain way that's going to optimize your fertility and your health for the long term, because that's essentially what makes a difference, you know, in the long term. And especially if you want to optimize your fertility and, and you, you know that you are going to be utilizing that opportunity later in life, right? So that's ultimately what it comes down to. That initial stage of you know preparation for the egg and the the second stage the predominantly the last four months from primary follicle to ovulatory follicle is crucial and highly critical for the health of that egg but typically what we see in the practice even when people are told that you know they have terrible eggs and we put in that period of time that eight month period it's amazing the change that can actually occur and this lady that I was telling you about before that's exactly what I know for a fact made a huge difference in her case. Well, can we talk a little bit about the things that we can do? I mean, clearly I advocate that couples and women work with a specialist like yourself, but what are some things that we can do just on a day-to-day to really set the tone in terms of food, in terms of removing those environmental toxins, in terms of reducing stress levels, in terms of supporting our gut health? What are things that we can be doing to setting the stage? And not only will those have profound implications, positive implications on our fertility, but overall be great for our overall health and well-being. Absolutely, 100%. And look, I often talk about, when I'm asked this question, I talk about this whole idea of acting pregnant now to get pregnant later, right? Because we know that it takes time to prepare and we know what needs to happen. However, let's just pretend for a moment, and any gentleman listening to us right now, indulge me, please. Let's pretend that you were pregnant right this second, right? Let's imagine that that was the case. When a woman becomes pregnant, literally her very first thought is, will I have a healthy baby? You know, what do I need to do to ensure my baby's healthy? And so that asking that question is really the answer to what it is that you need to do to optimize your fertility and to to take charge and to take action on the things that you can do. So every single thing that you would do if you were pregnant right now, from eating well to avoiding toxins to stopping alcohol, smoking, all of those different obstacles and negative aspects of one's habits or lifestyle you would stop doing if you're pregnant at this minute, right? Therefore, you want to stop doing that four to eight months prior to a conception attempt, right? So, and all of the things that you would absolutely start doing, you know, if you would take a prenatal vitamin, if you would start to decrease your stress and have massages, or if you're going to exercise, if you're, you know, And all of those things, by the way, are things that you should do. (laughs) Those are the things that you begin doing straight away. But it's not just the woman, right? The men have as much to play in this context as do the women. And therefore, everything that if you, gentlemen, were pregnant right now, know that the population of the world would decrease dramatically, but that's a whole nother story. (laughs) What would happen is that, you know, you would start and stop doing those things right now. So that 
ultimately, you know, from drinking filtered water to making sure that you've got chemicals out of your environment to, you know, exercising, de-stressing, you know, all of those things are things that are incredibly important because 50% of that little baby that you want to create right now is within you in this moment. Therefore, nurturing those cells through to their maturity and, you know, the point and the, the time where they will be able to affect that pregnancy and, of course, be continued on as a healthy baby is the, the time is now, really. So that's what I, what I recommend because, you know, once we think of it from that perspective, what happens is that all of a sudden we can start to question the things that we're doing and perhaps not doing in our day-to-day and in our environment. And that is the thing that I find makes the biggest difference for couples because if I was sitting here and telling you, look, here's a list of 50 things that you need to start doing, it would be completely overwhelming. But at each point where you arrive at whatever it is, the thing that you're going to do, if you were to ask that question, if I was pregnant right now, would I do this? You know, would I engage in this behavior? Would I do more or less of it? Would I avoid it altogether? Then you have your answers right there and you don't need anyone to tell you what it is that you should do or shouldn't do. I love that clarity. The last thing I wanted to ask most particularly, you know, I know we talked about how couples can optimize their fertility, you know, over the age of 40. When couples come together, what are some of the, even the emotional aspect, the mindset aspect, you know, when couples are working together, is is there anything that you can shed some light on? I know sometimes it can feel like such a challenging time. It can feel frustrating. It can feel overwhelming. Are there strategies and techniques that you've given couples over the years to really help them navigate those moments? Yeah. I mean, look, there there are so many strategies. I think that, you know, the the one thing, I always think in terms of what's the one thing, you know, that's going to be easier and unnecessary. And the one thing that I can think of is obviously the fertility challenge because it's a free program and anybody who's trying to conceive they they can go and learn about you know what are all of the little things other than of course you know the things that I've already talked about which is this whole aspect of acting pregnant now to get pregnant later because that really is a wonderful compass you know of a couple situation it's figuring out okay what are the things and the places that I need to pay attention to that will make a difference now in my method which is you know the the fertile method there are steps that I take people through you know the first thing that we want to do is we want to fact find then obviously once we understand the, the the landscape that we're dealing with we want to educate then we make our recommendations as to what needs to to people need to take charge of and do then obviously there is the treatment aspect then there's there's the incubation period you know where we give it time for things to work alongside that for me what's really important is preparing families right so it's not just about you know getting pregnant especially for couples who have been struggling for you know and perhaps struggling with infertility or and or miscarriage it's about kind of giving them the the tools to be resilient and you know as strong as they can possibly be through their challenge you know it's that aspect of liberating them from the the prison that sometimes infertility can be and then of course you know we have our end result which is not always you know the end result that we're looking for is always about them being the very best version of themselves. You know, the baby is almost a cherry on top, as I talk about, because ultimately, if you are well and you feel that you are strong in your life, if the baby comes, that's fantastic and that's a wonderful thing. But if for whatever reason you choose that you want to draw your line at a particular point, 
within that journey, you can actually know that you are in choice of that decision and that it hasn't been put upon you. You know, I think that makes a huge difference for couples on the fertility journey to know that it, because you see, here's the thing. When I first started doing this almost 20 years ago, it was definitely not the case that if a couple decided that they you know, wanted to have a baby and they put enough money to it that that would happen. You know, the truth is that in this day and age, we pretty much are blessed with that kind of situation because there are so many options from donor egg to donor embryo to, you know, and we support our couples through all of those decisions in whatever it is that they need to do. But some people decide, you know, they come to me and immediately they say, look, you know, I'll only go up to trying to conceive naturally. And beyond that, I'm not interested in anything else. Then other couples, we are able to support them through IVF because they decide that, yes, you know, this is exactly what I'm looking for. I want a baby and that's okay for me. Others decide that they're open to and willing to go down the path of donor egg, donor embryo, you know, even surrogacy in cases where it's necessary. And so, you know, wherever it is that that person's line is, is going to dictate where they may need to stop if things, you know, don't take the first place of, of having a baby. So that end result can really be the beginning of something new. You know, it can begin, it can be the beginning of looking at life from a different perspective. You know, I've had patients who basically have told me and definitely meant it that they wouldn't try beyond natural conception, whereas I've had others who were like, I will do whatever it takes. I want a baby. You know, I will do anything for this outcome. And, you know, one of my patients currently who is waiting for a baby, she went down the donor egg path and had to get a surrogate because she was over 50. And she decided that, you know, that was the thing that was was going to happen for her because she didn't want to be, I guess, at risk at her age in terms of, you know, uh, ha- carrying a pregnancy to term and so on. Her husband mostly was concerned for her in that situation. And so, you know, it really depends. And the stories are as varied as there are people, you know, so it really is what it is that a couple wants is ultimately where we focus. I think that that makes so much sense. And I love, I loved everything that you brought into there, most particularly just acting as if how important that is and, and choosing into something and making choices opposed to feeling like it's being imposed upon you. I just think that that's all, you know, we just, just shifting the way that we experience that journey is so big. And I love that you've got this incredible program and this challenge that you bring people through. Tell me a little bit about, cause I know that there are people listening right now who are just like, Oh, to have a North Compass, to have a plan, to have something that I feel, you know, can start me in the right direction. Where can we get this? Where? And I know I'll have the 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 fertility assessment will be inside of the show notes. But where else can we find you? Where can we get hooked up? Yeah, no, great. Well, if you Google Fertility Challenge Gabriella Rosa, you will definitely find it. But my website is naturalfertilitybreakthrough.com. And, you know, ultimately, it's, it's, as I said, it's a free program. We run it a few times a year. I've got a new book that's coming out that will also share a whole lot more on that. But, you know, on the, on the tools and strategies that I share in the challenge, and we're, we're just actually in the process of recreating the fertility challenge and making it even better. At the moment this year, we're, we're still running it four times a year. And the next one is in April. 2019. But, um, you know, it's definitely just a matter of Googling Fertility Challenge, Gabriella Rosa, you will get there. Awesome. I love it. And the book will be coming out in around this time as well, The Fertile Method. And this is going to be your fourth book. So congratulations. So exciting. I know that feeling all too well. 
Well, oh, my yeah. dear, I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing your brilliance and, you know, talking about brilliance in a multifaceted ways. I mean, the way that you're approaching helping families and couples getting to a place where they're becoming happy parents is just such a beautiful thing. I'm so grateful that you have chosen this path for your career. Oh, thank you, Marissa. And thank you for all the work that you do and bringing the light into the world. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to see. Oh, thank you. Well, girl, we do it together, right? It's all about that teamwork. I love that there's so many of us out there who are really changing the landscape of how we think about our reproductive health, what what the possibilities are. And that's really what I think you bring to the table is you're, you're a possibility maker for so many women who maybe have been told by many people that there wasn't any. So I really, really love that. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, my dear. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Definitely. Bye for now. As you learned in today's episode, Gabriella has devoted her life's work to overcoming infertility as a renowned fertility specialist. Now that you know a little bit about Gabriella and her mission, because let me tell you what an incredible mission that is, you know, to serve already 80,000 couples to help them get to a place where they can step into parenthood because that's what they want. That is incredible. Now, if this is a journey that you are looking to go on and you are interested in her complimentary fertility assessment, or maybe you have a family member or someone that you know is trying to start a family or want to make sure that they're healthy and fertile, definitely head on over the show notes, grab her fertility assessment. It's in episode 84, or you can go to the website, drmarisa.com, episode 84 as well, and you will be able to pull it up and get that assessment. Well, thank you so much for listening in to the Essentially You podcast today. On the next episode, I am bringing on another dear friend and hormone warrior, Dr. Jessica Petras. We are talking about how stealth infections impact our hormones and how we can get to the root cause of those stealth infections and get rid of them. Now, hidden infections are one of the top five root causes for most chronic conditions, including autoimmunity. So it's important to know what to look out for, and there is nobody better than to bring this information as one of the leading experts in hidden infections than Dr. Petras. So you're going to want to join us. I know it's, we're getting in the nitty gritty here, but let me tell you, a stealth infection was playing a major role with my Hajimoto's diagnosis, and so I'm feeling very connected to providing this type of information so that you have one more thing to be able to look towards if you're not figuring out what's going on with your body. So join us at the next episode. And until then, have an incredible day. Bye.